When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing this morning? Awesome. Things are good. We actually won an athletic contest on a Wednesday evening. And uh, I'd forgotten what that looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm still high over it. How long? I guess it was about, what, 30 years, 31 years, something like that, uh, that curse. The Cincinnati Bengals had where they had injured Bo Jackson in that playoff game, and they had not won a playoff game since then. They lost that game that day to the Raiders. And I think it was in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. Hadn't won a playoff game since. What, that's 30-plus year years, like I said. They finally got that lifted off their back. A couple of days later, Alabama gets their curse lifted. Didn't last 31 years, thank God. But Oh, we, we didn't need that. Yeah, what it felt like 31 years, didn't it? Felt like a yeah. while, man. Good heavens. Um, but, yeah, they it were was, able to get a win. It was a long two weeks. It was. And now it's officially time to start just dominating everything again. Uh, there, there are still some issues with that basketball team. I, I don't think anybody's oh, no. going to step out here and say, they looked perfect last night against LSU, but they found a way to get the win. They got that monkey off their back. They stopped the bleeding. Now it's time to show improvement, change some things up. That was good to see. But, you know, now it's time to, to look forward, and that's what we're about to do as far as the football season is concerned. We got several mailbag questions that we're going to answer, and they're gonna, that's going to be pretty fun. But, Jimmy, you know, first of all, the mailbag questions are always fantastic. I always enjoy going through and, and snagging some of these and, Try to go back and grab one that I'd missed from earlier this month that was asked. So we're going to get that answered, even though the season's already over. The question really that was asked is kind of an evergreen type of question. So we'll include that as well. Uh, should be fun, but we'll go ahead and just dive right in. And the first one's going to come from Will Martin on Twitter. And he asked, what do you think about D'Amico Ryan's being a candidate to replace Nick Saban when he retires? I would think Ryan's would be a, an NFL head coach at that point. Um, well, first of all, I'd be a huge fan of it. I mean, D'Amico is such a good person. We, we, you know, we, we all know that from his time uh, at, at Alabama previously as a player. It, you know, I, I don't know we've ever had a star player to be as good of a guy as D'Amico. So I'm thrilled at his NFL success. Um one thing I would note, I mean, on the negative side is going to be his lack of experience in college football and recruiting. Uh, recruiting is, is all there is in college football. I mean, if you're not recruiting at an A-plus level, you'll never have an A-plus team. Uh, so his lack of experience there could be a negative. But other than that, super sharp guy, super sharp person. I, I wish him the absolute best. Would it hurt my feelings if D'Amico Ryans was one day – Alabama's head football coach? Absolutely not. I would love it uh, if it, if he's deemed um, 
qualified, if he's deemed, if it's deemed that hey, we can build a staff around and they can make up for his lack of recruiting experience. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I would be excited about it. Uh, I do think that he's probably less than less than two or three seasons away from being a head coach in the NFL, if not if not real soon. Yeah, he's actually, I don't know if the interview has happened yet, but the Minnesota Vikings were planning on interviewing him. I think he's very close to getting a head coach job. Granted, like you said, don't necessarily think there's going to be this year, even though he's already starting to get these interviews. If it doesn't happen this year, I would say, you know, 2023 would be, you know, kind of when you're looking at. And as long as the 49ers continue to, you know, show progress and, and show uh, a lot of growth and development on the defensive side of the football. D'Amico Ryans is very well thought of, always was considered a very intelligent player at Alabama. His academics were imp as important to him as his football was and uh, was really one of my first, you know, kind of role models when it comes to football. One of the players, and I've always told people this, anytime someone said, you know, who are some players that maybe had an influence on you when you were really helped develop your love of the game? And there are guys who my game more so modeled like a Zach Thomas you know I'm you know roughly about six foot so you know he was 5'11 very you know didn't have it wasn't the most athletic guy but that somebody that I've always looked up to the two players that I always mention first when asked that question and I've been asked it probably four or five times throughout my life it was Ray Lewis and it's D'Amico Ryans I uh, love the way that Ray Lewis played the game if you notice all oh, those are linebackers that's also what I played and one of the big reasons I wanted to play linebacker was because of all three of those players um, but D'Amico Ryans was the college level player for me you know Ray Lewis was the NFL level this was kind of after you know the whole incident that happened early in his career um, as far as you know who got shot and who was involved and who knew and all that stuff really didn't pay attention to that as a kid but I love watching Ray Lewis play still love him to this day probably one of my all-time favorite players but yeah, D'Amico Ryan's is certainly up there too. Here's what I'll say about this. And I'll go ahead and include this other question because my answers are going to be very similar for both. And then I'll give you a chance to answer the second question as well. But one Mo rep, I got to say that correctly, on Twitter asked, if Doug Marone leaves Bama for an NFL job, any chance we go after Jeff Stoutland, who's currently with the Eagles? And so this is what I'll say about both D'Amico Ryan's and, you know, Jeff Stoutland. You know, Kirby Smart, the day after Georgia won the national championship, Reese Davis was interviewing him. And one of the topics that came up was how concerned Kirby Smart is about some of your best coaches choosing to go from the college game to the NFL game because they don't want to deal with everything that's going on in the college game. Recruiting was already a nightmare. You're doing it pretty much 365 days a year. You very, I mean, the NFL, you have specific times off. Uh, now, granted, they've done some things and made some dead periods to kind of give coaches, uh, you know, some time off from having to recruit and making it an even playing field. But, you know, it's still an issue. And now you've got NIL stuff that you have to deal with. You're not just having to recruit new players. You're having to constantly re recruit and keep your own players uh, due to the transfer portal. And Kirby Smart brought up, it is very concerning to him. And he's not talking about the top coaches as in, you know, head coaches. He's talking about the, the Jeff Stoutlands of the world. Now, granted, he left for the NFL way before any of this was a thought. Now, recruiting might have played a part. Maybe he didn't want to have to do the whole recruiting thing anymore. Um, I don't know. I know that he had a ton of success at Alabama and, and when he was there for the two years in, in 2011 and 2012. Those offensive lines, you know, with Barrett Jones, Chance Warmack, DJ Fluker, you know, Cyrus Quanjo, I think was on that 2012 offensive line. Anthony Steen was a guy. You know, all of them were, were fantastic. 
and you know he he was there for a couple of years and then he went to the NFL. I don't know why he wanted to leave, but uh, and you maybe could speak. I, I don't remember if there was any kind of anything that was involved with that, Jimmy. I don't recall specifically uh, why, uh, other than so many coaches throughout the years have just a preference for the NFL uh, for two reasons. Number one, like you've already alluded to, and it's really the main reason, the schedule is just so much better in the NFL. There's literally time off. There's multiple weeks of free time that you can spend with your family and go on vacations in college. That's not true because of recruiting, because recruiting is literally 365 days a year in college. I, I will guarantee you that uh, most college coaches do something about recruiting even on Christmas Day. I mean, yep. it's 365 days a year. Uh, so coaches prefer the NFL. And until very recently, and, and it's still true, but college is closing the gap. But until recently, the NFL just paid better. So more time off, more money. I mean, who's, who's not going to, to choose that? lifestyle. So to my knowledge, my recollection, uh, Jeff Stoutland was just choosing uh, the NFL lifestyle over over college. And uh, would would Alabama bring him back? Uh, Again, once again, to my knowledge, Nick Saban uh, really respected the job that Stoutland did. He's probably even a better coach today than he was when he left because of all the time he spent in in pro football. Uh, But I I don't know. I don't know why uh, Stoutland would leave the NFL and the Eagles uh, to go coach in college. Uh, I, I, I mean, it wouldn't be for more. It would be for less money and 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 more more uh, less time with your family. So I, I would never. While it has happened and it can happen, I personally never assume a, 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 an employed NFL coach is going to leave his job to go coach college football. And what I'll say about that too, a. a Stoutland is a great developer of talent. You know, Jordan Malata, who is now their, you know, starting left tackle, he was a player who, you know, didn't have a lot of experience playing American football, brought him over, has turned him into a good player. Nate Herbig, uh, who has, you know, started a guard for them. He was a late-round draft pick, has turned into a starter. Uh, you know, there are plenty of examples that you can point to of him actually, you know, helping develop offensive linemen who technically, you know, if you get a first-round pick, and Andre Dillard was a guy who was drafted in the first round you know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and he hadn't really developed into what they thought. So it's not like it's all positive, but sometimes that's just the player. But really what I look for in guys, you know, as far as development, and it's something that I've always been impressed with with Alabama, they're turning, you know, these three-star offensive linemen that they go and get into starters. We've seen it, you know, Seth McLaughlin, he was one, I think he was the lowest rated commitment that Alabama had last year, or, you know, in the 2020 class, one of the lowest rated prospects in that class comes in, has ended up starting a couple of games and actually looked pretty darn good. Uh, he will definitely be in the conversation to start moving forward. Not going to guarantee that it happens, but point is you've seen that with a lot of different players over the years as far as that, that Alabama has recruited. But like you said, him coming back, there's just there's really no reason for it. Um, and it's the same that I would say about D'Amico Ryan's. Him having zero experience in the college game, him getting paid a lot of money to be a head coach, you know, the Minnesota Vikings or another NFL team doesn't really matter. You know, what would be his reason for following in the footsteps of Nick Saban, you know, and, and taking on that responsibility and those expectations and all that pressure. And then on top of that, Hey, you were working, you know, 270 days out of the year. Well, you better be 
ready to work a lot more than that. Um, and I could be on the low end of that as far as NFL is concerned. In fact, I almost guarantee you I am. But point being, you know, NFL coaches get more time off to spend with their families. And I don't really foresee a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. Once he becomes an NFL head coach, I don't really see him just randomly wanting to jump down to the college ranks. I really don't. Uh, that's my opinion. It would be awesome. I would love it. I love him as a, I loved him as a player. I've loved him as a coach. Great defensive mind. Very intelligent guy. I think he would be great for Alabama's program. I just, it, you know, it, it wouldn't necessarily be that Alabama wouldn't want D'Amico Ryan's, even though there would be some question marks from their end as far as the recruiting side of things. But I think it would more so be, does D'Amico Ryan's want to be the head coach at Alabama? And that's something that at this point in time, I don't think that he would. But I could be wrong. Now, granted, if he's still a position coach, you know, and, and or a defensive coordinator, I guess is the way to put it, and Alabama was offering him an opportunity to finally meet that jump because he hasn't been able to do that in the NFL. Maybe I could see that becoming a possibility at that point. Um, and then if, as far as uh, Jeff Statlin, I want to say he's in his early 60s, and he's been a position coach pretty much his entire career. So I don't really foresee, you know, if he wanted to become a head coach, maybe jumping back down to the college ranks, getting in Nick Saban's program, doing that whole thing, maybe that would be his best path. But he's an older guy. I don't. I mean, I don't remember his entire history of coaching, but I know that he's been a, a position coach for as long as I can remember. And so does he, you know, he might not want to be a head coach or he might not think that that's feasible for him. And as long as he plans on just staying a position coach, I don't, I don't really see him making that jump either. Uh, Jimmy, you got anything else to add on this one? No, no, I, th I think you covered it uh, really well. Uh, and again, let's just see at the time, at the hiring time, whenever that is, let's see what D'Amico's situation is, what Jeff Stoughton's situation is at the time we're hiring. But, but uh, today, uh, as long as the Eagles plan to keep Stoutland, I just don't see him leaving there. And, uh, and, and D'Amico is clearly on the path to becoming an NFL head coach, and which is what he, I'm sure he would love to, to see and what he's qualified to do. And uh, I, I think we just have to let it play out, uh, you know, with D'Amico. You can foresee in the future when D'Amico is not employed uh, by the NFL as a head coach at a time Alabama needs a head coach. Maybe those two things marry up, but but for right now, it's just uh, sort of a. Uh, I think we just root for D'Amico and his professional endeavors for right now. Completely agree. All right, next question. Walker on Twitter asked, "Hey Clint, love the podcast. Mailbag question: With both starting safeties returning, along with intense competition at the star spot from Brian Branch, is there any concern within the program on Malachi Moore potentially entering the transfer portal?" His opportunity for a starting spot opens up dramatically in 23 and certainly shouldn't be ruled out for 2022. But will he look for a school where he can guarantee himself an every down roll next year? Thanks. And then also, right before we started recording, uh, Jay on Twitter also got in, and this is another you know, question about the safety, so we'll just go ahead and group these both in together. He has probably too late to be on the podcast for today, but you guys kind of touched on how the depth at outside linebacker could look in two years. Do you think the same could be said for safety in two years? Helms battle a lot to leave. Branch and Moore have the year we all expect are probably gone. That's all your safety experience gone in one draft. So we'll we'll touch on the, you know, Malachi sure. Moore and him sticking around, and then we'll talk about what the the you know really future outlook at safety looks like. Yeah, my first comment. Those are really good questions. My my first comment uh, before really get started about it is uh, it, it's. It's a leap for me 
to assume that Brian Branch and Malachi Moore would enter the draft after this upcoming season uh, as true juniors. Uh, I'm not saying that won't happen or can't happen. I'm just saying that as we sit here today, uh, I, I would not predict that to happen for either kid. I, I think they're both four-year college players uh, myself um, before before they try the NFL. That, that's the way I'm thinking about that today. Uh, you know, it, it, as to whether Malachi wants to enter the portal, uh, there's no way that, that me or Clint could speak for Malachi or know exactly what him and his family are thinking. Um, you know, I, I've always said this on the podcast. I'm going to say it again because it's important for everyone to, to realize this about kids that age uh, th that are in their position. What we have on the team almost at all times is uh, 25 guys who are starters and 60 guys who are contemplating transferring. And that's, that's, and that's the way it was before the portal. I mean, the portal has only exacerbated that. If you're not starting, you're considering the portal. <laughs> that's the reality of the new normal that we all have to get used to. So while I can't speak for Malachi, I have no doubt in my mind that him and his family have discussed that simply because He's not an every down player at Alabama and likely feels he could be somewhere else. So I'm sure it's discussed, but I have no information or not even a rumor uh, worth repeating uh, that Malachi is imminently headed to the portal or that he is leaving. I do think this spring is going to produce another wave of Alabama players into the portal once they see where they are at the beginning of spring and then the end of spring, I suspect we will have more players enter the portal. I don't have a name because we'll just have to see how it plays out. But uh, if Malachi leaves, will I be shocked? No, no. But do I expect Malachi Moore to be playing for Alabama in the fall? Uh, yeah, I do. I think that it, you know Malachi Moore is a big part of Alabama's plans in 2022, whether he's a starter or he's not a starter. He's going to see action, and I think that he, you know, if he gets back and he can prove to be that playmaking talent that he was as a true freshman, it's going to be very hard for Alabama to keep him off the field, and they will have other options who are probably playing extremely well, and it might be difficult to keep some of those guys off the field, but the, I think Alabama will get creative in how they use those guys, and if Malachi Moore can sit there and say, okay, uh, you know, continue to be a part-time player, I'm playing some safety, I'm playing some, you know, some star I'm getting action, you know, in pretty much every game. I'm playing special teams. And then I take over in 2023 as a full-time starter at maybe safety. Then I think that he would be willing to do that. Uh, now, granted, that's me just purely speculating. He might not be willing to do that. He might be so ready to get out of Alabama that, you know, he, he's just biding his time and making sure he's not going to be the starter, and then he's ready to hop. Um, it could really go either way uh, at this point because I don't, I don't, I'm not in his mind. I don't know what he's thinking. Um, so you could – come up with a lot of stuff that he could be, you know, contemplating with Brian branch. It's the same thing. I haven't really seen a, you know, he he's done well. He, he looked really good down the stretch. You know, he wasn't perfect by any means, but it has proven to be a very solid player. He's not this super massive playmaker for Alabama's defense. He's steady. He gets the job done and you can trust him. But, you know, as far as, you know, forcing fumbles and, and you know, interceptions and doing all these things, you know, game-changing sacks all the time, you know, he's not really, you know, he's not Honey Badger out there or something. And it, NFL values very steady players, 
So I'm not saying that he wouldn't be willing to leave after his junior year, but I would need to see a lot more from him to be willing to say, oh, he's one of those guys that's probably going to make that jump. But I do understand the question because what if, what if it does happen? Then you are losing pretty much both stars and your two starting safeties. Where does Alabama turn? I know you said you were very high on Christian Story, and you know there are some other players, Antonio Kite, Jake Pope. But you know we've seen where Alabama has been able to you know, the, the transfer portal has opened up so many possibilities now because not you don't have to head this off as much as you used to. You know, back in the day, Nick Saban would have to be thinking, you know, several years ahead, and he still is in a lot of cases. But if this ends up playing out the way that you're talking about it playing out and they lose all their starting safety experience or guys that can play safety, guys that would have made that move to, from star to safety, they can go out and find somebody else in the portal, a very effective quality player, you know, an, an Eli Ricks, you know, maybe not that caliber every time but it would be very possible for them to go out there and get a high quality safety out of the portal come in and at least have one guy that has experience they get some guys to commit who can come in and provide some depth as tr uh, true freshmen and you know then you'd also have other players who have been developing behind the scenes who can step up so I, I don't think that this is much as much of an issue looking trying to look ahead several years as it used to be and trying to head that off because if all your players leave and you can't utilize the transfer portal you're left with who you got. That That's all it is. There's no other way, you know, hopefully you recruited the position well or you got to make some moves. And now you're left, you know, with a hole in the roster. One thing the transfer portal has been able to do for Alabama and Nick Saban is it eliminates their desperation when they have a hole in the roster. They have other ways that they can address it. So Malachi Moore, as far as him transferring, you know, I, I, I can't really speak to that uh, too much except for to say that I think that Alabama really values him. I think he enjoys being in Alabama, and I think he's going to be a huge part of Alabama's plans, whether he's starting or not. And I think that, you know, that he'll end up sticking around. If, if, you, if you made me choose one way or the other, I haven't heard anything to point me in a different direction. All right, the last question for this episode, for this mailbag episode, is going to be from Nick Rossetti on Twitter. And he asked, this is the one that he asked several weeks ago that I ended up missing. I think it was on January 3rd is when he asked, but he said, Clinton, Jimmy for a future mailbag. Well, this is future several weeks. Um, our offensive line has played better as of late, but they still seem to struggle with consistency from snap to snap. What makes offensive linemen such a difficult position to recruit slash develop daily listener of the Bama on three show. Keep up the great work in 2022. Yeah, it's extremely, uh, difficult. Um, you know, in terms of what makes it maybe the most difficult position to evaluate, I think some of it is just the lack of tape. And by that, I mean, you know, high school football is so different across the board, as, as, as Clint will be the first to tell you, uh, you know, and, and I think you played with a, a Division One prospect who was an offensive lineman yourself or, uh, Alfred you McCullough. know, yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I bet it was pretty rare that he went up against in, in his high school games. I bet it was pretty rare that he was one-on-one -on -one blocking a guy that was going to play in the SEC. Uh, I'm sure it happened, but it would have been rare, correct? Correct, yes. So when you're watching high school linemen on film, you're mostly watching them block either large guys who absolutely cannot move their feet or very small guys who are very quick uh, or somewhat quick. Uh, and, and you're not watching them compete against 
who they will be competing against at the next level. And I think that makes the evaluation extremely tricky. Uh, you can bring those guys to camp, though, and remove some of those variables. Uh, you can, you know, see a guy at all-star games and remove some of those variables, but you, you don't get that opportunity with every single one of these guys. Um, secondly, no, there is, people have to understand this. It's two different sports. High school football and college football are practically two different sports. They move at such incredibly different speeds that it's, I equate it all the time. Look, a lot of us didn't play high school football or college football, but most of us played baseball. I equate it all the time. I ask anybody that played, that doesn't understand this concept, but that played baseball when they were a kid. Do you remember when you were 12 and played on the little league field? Okay. And then your, your little town had this collection of five or six kids that were really good. And then you moved to the big field, which was much bigger. And the kids grew and they grew bigger and stronger. Was it the same kids who were the, the same kids at 12 who were good? Or they were the same kids at 16 who were good on the big field? No. For most people, no. It was a different collection of kids, kids that grew bigger, faster, stronger as they got older. Some of these little talented kids sort of stayed the same size, stayed the same speed. They were built to play on the little field. They're not built to play on the big field. And high school to college football is so similar. You're projecting, okay, how is this guy going to be able to perform when the game is played at a completely different speed by completely different people? Also keep this in mind. Let's use Tyler Booker as, as an example because he's a five-star guy that a lot of people are hoping can come in and play at Alabama next fall and maybe be a starter. Well, Tyler Booker today is a high school prospect. If you stuck Tyler Booker in a game, a college football game today against, I'm just going to pick an SEC team, Tennessee. I don't exactly know who he'd be lining up against Tennessee, but the guy's probably going to whoop him up and down the field because that kid's been trained by a professional college staff, trained by a professional college strength and conditioning program. He's watched film all day, every day for months. He's been, he practices against really good linemen every day. There is no high school player who is ready to be a college player. You have to be trained. You have to be coached. You have to go through the strength and conditioning program. Uh, and never confuse a high school prospect with a college player. Those are two different things. And I think on the offensive line, that's really exacerbated. And it's a bigger deal at that position than others because it takes such a big, strong, grown-ass man to do that stuff. And they need training and weight training and nutrition and practice and they need to learn techniques when you're 265 pounds just 265 in high school you're probably bigger than everybody you're playing against and you can literally throw guys around the field like they're ragdolls you don't have to play with technique you're just so much stronger and bigger than the other guys but in college technique wins the day because everybody you're playing against is big and fast and strong so it's for all of those reasons that evaluating high school offensive linemen, I think, is either the hardest or the second hardest position to evaluate beside quarterback. I think they're all tough to evaluate. Uh, but, yes, I do think that offensive line can be a tough spot. I mean, there have been – you know, we all knew 
watching Evan Neal in high school. He's going to come in. He's going to be an absolute stud. He's going to be very good. And we were correct on that. You know, Cyrus Quanjo coming out of high school knew he's going to be good. Amen. He was good. Um, you know, it, it's uh, with this particular crop of offensive linemen, I think that what ended up happening here is that you ended up having opportunities with guys like Chris Owens that you wouldn't have had in other years because of the COVID extra eligibility rule he ended up coming back and instead of some of these guys having to be thrown to the fire and you need to get better and you were getting all those reps in camp and practice and stuff. I mean, Kendall Randolph, who was going to be coming back all throughout fall camp and throughout the summer and stuff, he was working as the first team right tackle. And then Chris Owens was working as the first team center. And both those two guys were older and you know, that they probably would have been gone in other years. You know, Kendall Randolph, not so much, but Chris Owens, now it's going to be Kendall Randolph. But then at the last second, Chris Owens gets thrown over there at right tackle, and just none of these young guys were getting the reps. You know, if if though if you know Chris Owens wouldn't have been there and wouldn't have been the starting center or the starting right tackle, then Darian Dalcourt would have been getting all those reps at center, and, and he would have been better prepared to come in and be the starter come you know week one against Miami or whenever you know he, yeah he ended up starting week one against Miami. But so I think that that plays a part in all this. You know, in past years, some of these guys you just you had to have them, you throw them out there and. They're ready enough, but, you you know, you see some growing pains. You know, Evan Neal is a left guard, is a true freshman. He was really good, uh, but he is not the player that he is today, obviously. You, you, you know, you see positive growth in the development. And with, you know, J.C. Latham, it's like I've said before, I think he's going to be a great player. I think it's just a matter of mastering everything and understanding the communication. One of the reasons that I think offensive line is so difficult is – to me, they have the most being thrown at them of any position on the field except for a quarterback. Quarterbacks, you know, disguising defense is cr- trying to create difficult situations. That ends up happening. Quarterbacks deal with more than anybody else. But if you're a defensive coordinator, you know, your number one goal in a lot of situations, when you really look at it, is how can we affect this offensive line? Because if you can dominate the offensive line, you're going to be able to stop the run. You're going to be able to pressure the quarterback. You're not going to be able to do a whole lot. You could put Aaron Rodgers behind a, a, a poor offensive line, and he's going to be still good, obviously, but he's not going to be great because he's under pressure all the time. There's only so many times you can make just magic happen when you're not getting any protection and you're not able to create a consistent run game. And, you know, so not only do you need to have the physical side of things mastered, which is an issue that some other guys have, like a Tommy Brockermeyer. You know, I don't know, just from the people that I've talked to, his issue was more just strength and conditioning, getting bigger, stronger, and getting the physical. He was already a big, strong guy, but compared to some of these college, other players, you know, that he's going against in college, it was a different game. And so his is more of a physical development. So you need to have that mastered and already be there like Evan Neal was. But then it's also the mental side of it and the growing pains that you're going to go through. And, you know, you talk about offensive linemen, like you mentioned, the kind of players that they're going against in high school and the, the comparisons you were making with the baseball team and field and all that stuff. I'll tell you right now, anybody that that has a beard at 13 or 14 years old and they're bigger and stronger than everybody, I can almost point to every one of them and say they don't make it to Division One athletics because they're already matured. They're already maxed out. They look like an absolute monster at a young age. And then from there, everybody starts catching up and they end up being – you know, a good player, but not a great player. I mean, anybody that I've ever seen with a beard at that age, you know, 13, 14, 15, I don't know that I've ever seen one of those guys end up, you know, they're all bald now, first of all, 90% of them. Uh, <laughs> secondly, they're, you know, they, they just, they were maxed out at an early age and they look like they were going to be fantastic and it just doesn't pan out. So development happens at a very 
different timeline for different guys. And Nick Saban's talked about that a lot. And you put the expectation, you know, oh, J.C. Latham's a five-star prospect. Why can't he develop and be on the field like, uh, you know, Evan Neal was? Why can't he help out at offensive guard and then you end up kicking him to tackle when, when Evan Neal's gone and everything runs the same? That's not the way it works. Um, he, he's going to develop, develop at a different pace than other guys. And like I said, it's just difficult because you're having a ton thrown at you trying to get, you know, the communication has to be on point. So you got to, you can't communicate effectively if you don't know not only what you're supposed to be doing, but what the guy next to you is supposed to be doing too, because y'all have to work in tandem. The entire offensive line has to work as a unit. It, it happens with other positions as well, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult position to play. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, not a ton of questions. I think we ended up with five, but we combined, you know, a couple of them to really make it just a few answers, but there were great questions. I certainly enjoyed it. And uh, Jimmy, I hope you did too. Absolutely. Oh, you know, we'll do a, a show early next week and focus on uh, new coaches that we will have officially uh, and, and maybe some roster movement uh, in the next few days. Yep. Uh, there very well could be some roster movement happening. So be on the lookout for that. Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This is always a blast guys who listen in, you know, fans who listen in, Thank y'all so much for your questions. We always enjoy them. Keep them coming. Uh, do two things for us. A, go leave us a five-star review. However you listen to the podcast, if it's on you know Spotify, if it's on you know Apple Podcast, go leave us a five-star review. We're trying to get those up. We want to be bringing you guys the best possible content as possible. And then also go sign up for you know the Bama on Three site, BCS Alabama. You get a seven-day free trial. You're not going to be able to. You know, you don't have to jump out there and immediately start paying. You'll get to try us out a little bit. we got a lot of plus content. Jimmy's doing it on the message boards. I'm doing it in article form, and we're trying to bring you guys as much content as we possibly can. So uh, go check us out if you haven't already, and subscribe. We would love to have you guys and, and certainly want to welcome you to the to the message board community, which, Jimmy, I don't know about you, but I've just been thrilled with the way that that's been growing. The participation over there has been phenomenal. Yeah, it's good, and, and this is what I enjoy. I'm just being totally honest here. This isn't advertising i'm just being honest i'm impressed with the level of discourse there this is not a silly board so far even though we have lots and lots of members uh it's not silly uh and it's very focused uh it you know i, I sort of moderate it and sort of try to keep it between the lines but i don't have to do much it, it's it's a bunch of alabama fans who want to talk about what's going on in the football program today, what's going on with the roster today, what's going on with the recruiting, what's going on with basketball. Yeah, we'll touch on baseball, gymnastics, some other stuff too. Uh, there's not a lot of clowning around. And, hey, I like clowning around. I certainly like funny stuff. <laughs> but this has been a level of discourse that I did not expect. So if you're serious about, hey, I want to know what's going on and I want to read smart opinions that are different than my own, so maybe we can all learn because I learn stuff on that board every day too. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed by that. So if, if you're into that sort of thing, sign up today. It's free for seven days. And, and hey, even, even if you decide to pay what you are paying per day for this level of entertainment of Alabama football is your thing. What you're paying for per day is, is next to nothing. I love the way that you put that because every time I get on the message board, I feel like I learned something too. This isn't one way, you know, do, do I really think that we're hopping on here and we're the, we're the experts and we're sharing our opinions and you need to, you know, share our opinions too. And, and you're wrong and we're right. You know, with that kind of thing, I'll tell you right now, there are some 
people out there that know this sport and this program and, and this university every bit as much or as well as Jimmy and I do. And they do a great job of sharing their opinions over there on that message board. And I completely agree. I've been very impressed with the information that gets shared over there and just the, the level of conversation. People know what they're talking about. It's in any, if you don't, even if you're a very surface level, got questions, if it's not Jimmy or I, and you know, hopped on there to answer it, there's going to be plenty of other people are going to share their opinions and they've got some pretty good ones. So I've very much enjoyed being a part of that community Never been huge on message boards. Uh, never really been my thing too much, but I've thoroughly enjoyed being a part of this one. And it, and I can now see the appeal because it is very informative. Uh, and we try to share as much information with you guys as we possibly can. Uh, but other people certainly contribute and we appreciate that. So Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me once again. I always end up saying that like three times to close a podcast, it feels like. But we, we talk off air and it's always you know, great conversation. And I just, I appreciate you so much, man. I've, this has been an incredible ride. Can't wait to see where it continues to go. And we will talk to you guys next week. This has been another episode of the Bam on three show and I'm your host, Clint lamb.